0: okay let's get started then
1: um let's start with invocation press oh manana timurandasya minanjana shalakaya chakshurum militam yena tasmai shri guruvay namaha Siddhantu palasad and nityras become hung sung villa satmakam Adaryakya sevakadanam pradam Yakya yakti vichakshanam, phagabito vishishta shakya sada. Vandai they triparari namakayatin, Sribhakti bhakti veyantinam Vanchakalpatru, yes patitanam pavanebio, vishnavavavio, no mo, no Ajahnulambita bhujau, kanakabhata tau, Sankirtanayaka pitaro, kamalaya taksau, Vishwambara dvijabarao, yukitarama palau, Vandejaka priyakaro, Karunavataro, Vandejaka priyakaro, Vandejaka krishna chetanya nityananda sahodito, Godadaye pushpavanto, chitra shanto Vande Sri Ramakrishna Avaya Charana Sukhau Sukhata Paramananda Sundara Subhala Priyo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Deena Bandhu Jagapate Gopesha Gopika Kantarata Kantanamastate Tapta Kanchana Gurangi Rade Vrindavaneshwari rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Hare Krishna. Um, so I guess I'll just jump straight in. Maybe some others will join
0: us on uh, Zoom, but no problem if not. So um, I won't do too much of a summary from last time, um, but last time. We've been discussing Krishna's descent into into this world um, in various ways. And so last time, we discussed uh, Parampara and how this is the primary way that Krishna descends into this world in one sense. So we receive knowledge of Krishna through the Parampara. And what's that Parampara made of? It's made of his devotees, of course. So we discussed various topics related to that point. And especially that Arjuna's principal qualification for now being initiated into this parampara is his devotion and his natural tendency to serve Krishna. It also led him to ask Krishna a question about himself so that Krishna can speak more about his own divinity uh, for the benefit of everyone listening, including ourselves. So we we, we see how it is that it's bhakti that brings Krishna into this world in one sense uh, in, in the form of his devotees. Uh, especially those representing the prampara, as we discussed in the last two sessions. But now, in verses four five to 4.15, we are going to see Krishna respond uh, to Arjuna's question. And on one level, uh, it's helping Arjuna understand how Krishna could have instructed Vivaswan in ancient times, and also some of the nature of himself as Bhagavan, the personality of Godhead. But from another angle, which we're going to explore, we'll see many topics directly related to Bhakti come out also, and Bhakti's role in Krishna's descent into this world, which of course is the main uh, topic of the whole book, Bhakti. So, at least through the eyes of the Gaudiya commentators. So, we'll learn quite a few things in the upcoming discussions, uh, including the fact that Krishna is God, which isn't something that's been explicitly said until now. Uh, he's, he'll make the point that he's omniscient, he's eternal, and he'll draw out different reasons that he appears in, the, in this place, um, which seems to be, you know, uh, the, the direct opposite to his nature. It's temporary and full of ignorance. That point is often brought out by a Guru Maharaj. And so, so other topics will also come up including a little later, the point that there is one God, but many paths. And uh, this topic is, is a great one for understanding and appreciating different religions and spiritual paths and seeing the unity in them, and but also seeing how Krishna descends into this world in different ways for different people. Uh, but we'll save that one uh, for probably the fifth session, the final session. So... As I mentioned in our introduction session, uh, I am going to be jumping between verses at times, at least in the context of this series, and It does make sense at this point to actually skip verse 5 and focus on verses 6 to 8 for today. So we'll actually return to verse 5 next week when we discuss knowledge of Krishna a little more. But today I wanted to continue with the theme uh, that we left off with last week, and that is that it is Bhakti that brings Krishna to this world. And so also connected to where, where we left off last week. It's also worth bringing up one nice point from verse 5, and that's one of the meanings of the name parantapa, or one who gives pain to the enemies. So we'll we'll come back to this term next week also. Uh, And one one of the main ways that Krishna means to use this name here, parantapa, in relation to Arjuna seeming to be in ignorance. And we saw in the second verse, he also used this name. We saw how Krishna used this name to refer, refer to Arjuna, having control over the enemies of the mind and senses. But another meaning of parantapa parantapa, is uh, one who gives to others, um, which is quite a sweet meaning, actually, right? So as we discussed last week, Arjuna has asked this question um, so everyone can benefit from hearing Krishna speak about himself. And so this is a sweet meaning of the name. It's Arjuna's bhakti that brings something of Krishna into this world, and not only for himself, Uh, before all others who are able to hear it also. So we we have Arjuna to thank for all all that's going to follow now in terms of the topics about Krishna. And as I say, next week, we'll we'll look more at some of the other aspects of this name in the fifth verse, and also the points Krishna makes about himself, um, such as the fact he's omniscient, eternal, and so on. But keeping with the theme for today, that the primary way that Krishna descends into this world is by the power of his devotees' devotion, uh, by the power of bhakti. And so we're going to jump to verse six, and so we'll also look at some aspects of verse six too in regards to Krishna's eternality and birthlessness, as I say. But where I want to focus today is on some of the nice points that are brought out by this term Atma Maya. We find this term Atma Maya in the um, in the verse, and it refers to the role. The internal energy plays in Krishna's descent Um, and it will tie in with the other verses that we're going to focus on today also so so Krishna at this point he's of course speaking what's known as avatar tattva or the knowledge or philosophical truths conclusions about the nature of his descending into this world uh, personally why does he personally come so I'm I'm sure you're, you're probably all familiar with this this term avatar ava means to come down and tara means to cross so it's how krishna crosses from up to down that's often how it's described how the absolute comes into a temporal world of ignorance but yet still comes perfectly as himself with his omniscience his omnipotence and these kind of things so so how does he make his appearance um i really like the example sometimes used you know people use this term avatar uh to enter the digital world you know if you go on many social media platforms you have your avatars and so that's how people make their appearance in the digital world how they cross into the digital world so this is how now what we're going to explore today how the transcendent uh makes his appearance in the material world how he crosses into the material world so the way krishna makes his appearance or manifests he says is by his atma maya by his internal energy and i i remember Hearing our Guru Maharaj speaking about some of the points we're going to discuss uh, today, a few years ago when we were with him in Madhuvan. And I was blown away by the insight because it was the first time I'd heard these verses discussed in this way. Um, it can be easy to hear, you know, the middle six chapters are about Bhakti and then maybe not put so much attention to the first six chapters. But actually, we find so many amazing points connected to Bhakti in these chapters um so krishna says he comes by his divine internal potency so he, he has no tinge of the gunas as we know the modes of nature uh the make up our bodies the bodies of matter his swarupa, or his eternal form it's always Sachit ananda it's always eternally fully aware and blissful by nature but interestingly one meaning of atma maya is mercy and so Krishna's appearing in this world by his own influence is an act of mercy. It's something outside this world, something outside the ignorance that keeps us appearing in this world, that creates create suffering and so on. Uh, something outside of that that brings him here, something outside the realm of karmic justice even. So what, when we say uh, Atmamaya, it means the Lord's mercy. More specifically, it's talking about his internal energy. And of course, we know as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, who the personification of his internal energy is. And that, of course, is Sri Radha, uh, the source of all Shaktis. And we know Sri Radha, she's the uh, embodiment of compassion. So it's compassion or mercy that draws Krishna to this world. Uh, so another meaning, of course, uh, Atma also means self. And so Krishna is speaking about that Maya, that comes from himself, that energy that comes from himself, the yoga maya, that reveals his sarups or his forms. Uh, as most of you will know, but just a little recap: there are three principal energies of Krishna: the maya shakti, otherwise known as the external energy; the Tatashtha shakti or the marginal energy; and the sarup shakti or the internal energy. And of course, actually. Uh, we also see in many places in the Shastra, actually, God has innumerable shaktis or energies. It's not that uh, he only has three shaktis like this. He has innumerable, but he has all kinds of powers, all kinds of potencies. But generally, these shaktis, these potencies, they're categorized into these three categories, because I guess their, their, their function and how how they their, their, their play out in, in existence, if you will. Um, so everything has some inherent potency, some inherent power, and this lets us know something about it also. Um, so this is quite interesting, you know, that, that the potency of taste in food, it lets us know something about that food, for example, or the potency of luminosity in light. It lets us know something about it, but also those things around it too, similar to the potency of consciousness. So we also express ourselves through our potencies And so we're known more by that, by those expressions than our actual selves, if you will. So they're they're very uh, intimately tied. Our our Guru Maharaj sometimes gives the example of an author being known by his writing. Or if we see an actor or a world leader, maybe a picture of them, it may just look like a regular person. But if we know the power of that person, then we, we know so much about them, actually, the, the more we know of someone's power or the potency in the world of how they express themselves, the more we know of them in one sense. So the mystics who know Krishna well, they, they speak of his shaktis or his potencies when they speak about him. So, you know, they, he's, the shakti is very uh, intimately tied with Krishna. And matter or the external energy, of course, has been discussed in different ways earlier in the Gita and will be explored more later. But just just in general, just anyone who's watched any nature documentary, for example, or if if someone has studied the natural sciences, you know, just observe the world, you know, matter itself is quite fascinating, right? this, is So, I mean, so much, so much could be said on that, and this is because actually it's also a Shakti of Krishna, right, being the external energy, it's still it maybe the external energy, but it's still an energy or Shakti of Krishna, it still comes from Krishna. But in this verse, 6, Krishna shares how he personally manifests by introducing another power for the first time, the internal energy, the Atma Maya, also as we, we often hear it referred to as the swarup Shakti, and of course... Part of what makes up the sarup shakti is bhakti. So it's significant that Krishna makes this point, that it's the internal energy that brings him to this world, that this is what makes him manifest in this world. It's through her by which he is to be known. So we've discussed that in one sense, in terms of the prampara and Arjuna drawing out some knowledge of Krishna. But Krishna elaborates on this in different ways here. Saying he personally makes an appearance by the Atma Maya. So he may be he may seem to be in the world when he is here, but he's not of the world. So Srila Prabhupada um, sometimes gives a nice example of uh, if a governor comes into the prison prison, he's also behind bars, but the difference is between him and the prisoners that he has the key. So similar kind of concept that you know, Krishna, when he comes here actually him coming here is actually a leela for him. It's a play. And as as we know from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, um, Prema Bhakti in particular, uh, it has, it's of the nature of the internal energy. I mean, all Bhakti is of the nature of the internal energy, but Prema Bhakti in particular um, has the power to control Krishna. So this is the the sixth quality of Uttama Bhakti that Srila Rupa Goswami gives. And so that Swarup Shakti is there in the lives of different devotees and to varying degrees. And so Krishna feels drawn to bring himself to the devotees who are in this world uh, by her power. So his Leela or his dancing out of completeness, as we sometimes hear it, out of his fullness, you know, this overflows into the world by her mercy or, or by her compassion. So we'll we'll also see this come out more in the next verses too. But Krishna point, points out that it, it's not the external Shakti or the Maya Shakti that makes him move in this world. It's not karma, but it is the force of this internal Shakti, the Atma Maya. And as we'll discuss next time, Krishna has said in this verse that he's in control of the external energy. But this internal energy is directly connected to his very form, that he, he's speaking about himself himself. It, as we know, the, these verses are all in answer to Arjuna's question. And so he's speaking about himself, but he can't speak about himself without speaking about his internal energy in particular. They're intimately connected. So the example sometimes given, we can't separate the moon from its shine. That they, they, they come as a package. So it's this forrup Shakti that reveals Krishna in this world. And so the influence of her is enlightening. Whereas the... Uh, influence of the, the maya shakti as we know that the external energy is um uh, deluding so this is this is how krishna is seen in this world by the influence of the internal energy and this this is why our school in particular we, we have a strong focus on the divine shakti as well as god himself uh, they're inseparable radha and krishna have to be together as we know and we we also teach about the supremacy of god like like many wolves uh Traditions do, you know, many religions, many spiritual traditions of the world. They, they teach about the supremacy of God. But we also emphasize that which brings Krishna pleasure. Uh, and this is, of course, is his internal potency. This is what creates Leela. This is what shapes Krishna's form, actually, in accordance with the devotees' love for him. Uh, Padmanabhan Maharaj, he gave a nice class when he was here in the UK uh, last year about um, Uh, I forget the exact title, but it was about um, Bhakti, the Bhakti, or the love of the devotee shaping Krishna's form. And so as we see here, this is what brings Krishna into this world, what reveals his form in this world as well, you can say. So we can understand, for Krishna to come, there has to be devotees. And as we discussed previously, devotees like Arjuna... They attract Krishna themselves by the very nature of their devotion. And so this is why Krishna pointed out the primary quality in Arjuna that inspires Krishna to share his secrets with Arjuna is is Bhakti. There's there's no other power in the world that can draw his descent here. And that's something we're going to explore more shortly. Uh, But what brings him here must be coming from Bhakti. It, It can't be from any other kind of power. Nothing... At all in the, in the external uh, maya, in the external energy, no physical power, no mental power, no intellectual power can bring him here. And this we'll see. This comes up interestingly in the, in the next verses too. Um, but but the emphasis is that this power comes from Krishna Himself, uh, and as we learn here, specifically His internal potency. And so we discussed last time how the Parampara uh, distributes that Shakti also. And so the more connected we can be to that Shakti, the more we, we find Krishna descending into our own lives. Krishna never leaves Radha's company. And so if we want to be connected to Krishna, then we also want to be attached to Radha also. you know, We want to be attached to that uh, Shakti, that Atma Maya, the Bhakti Shakti. You know, many, many terms uh, for, for what essentially is, is, is the same thing. So Krishna... He, he continues to explain and expand on these points, the reason he appears in this world in the next verses, in verses 4 7 and 4 8. Because, as we know, uh, Krishna is appearing by his own will, um, but it's by the potency of his internal Shakti. But his form is eternally existent, actually. And so it's emphasized that he appears rather than it's actually born. Something we're going to look into next time also. Like I say, we're going to kind of jump around some of these verses, according to the, the theme of the class. But Krishna has said how he remains uh, in control of his Maya Shakti, the external energy, but he comes under the influence of the internal energy, the Sarup Shakti. And so now he's expanding on, on why and when he comes. And there are many nice connected points to this and, and bhakti insights that come from our teachers in regards to these reasons that Krishna gives. So Krishna explains that He manifests Himself whenever and wherever there is a decline in righteousness and a predominance in unrighteousness. So uh, these words, yada yada, many of you be very, very familiar with these, I'm sure. Uh, yada yada, He comes whenever and wherever. Um, they're, and they're very significant because the implication is that Krishna can go anywhere uh, and wherever He wants by His own will. Um, If we look at the Van Ashram system, for example, Uh, The demigods, actually, they have to reciprocate when someone performs certain sacrifices, if they do them properly, according to the Shastra, uh, that is relevant for the particular system that they practice in. So so the demigods actually are also bound by universal law. And, you know, there are many nice examples of that. We we can see when um, Hiranyakashipu, he performed various sacrifices and austerities. And so Lord Lord Brahma, he, he was forced to reciprocate. Um, even though, you know, we know Brahma is also a devotee, but he, he reciprocated with Hiranyakashipu's uh, sacrifices and austerities. So it's important to understand, and I'm sure we, we've all got this grasp, um, that, you know, Krishna, when he does descend, it's for his own purposes. He's not bound to come here. And it's true, he comes for Dharma at times, as he points out, but he's not bound by that. It's not that Dharma controls him, but only Prema controls him. Only love, only pure love controls him. So Krishna descends for his own purposes. We we know he's eternal, but we also know he's dynamic and creative. You know, he's ever increasing in bliss, for example. He's not inert or passive. So, you know, sometimes our Guru Maharaj, he likes to point out that the full sense of God is Brahman with Shakti. Uh, the two together. So Brahman with his Atma Maya, with his internal energy, as Krishna's pointed out earlier. So he's not static. And even when we look at Brahman, the word Brahman, Madhvacharya, uh, he points out that the root, uh, it means uh, to grow or to burst forth. So it implies constant, continuous creativity. It's always manifesting. So it's dynamic and creative, that he can't be static. Brahman actually can't be static. Krishna can't be static. So this spontaneous creative impulse uh, we understand to be uh, manifest as leelas or divine pastimes. and this is the result of Brahman combined with shakti. So that that really is the complete whole. You know we see this Iishupanisha uh, verse um, describing the complete whole. And so that complete whole can't just be Brahman, but it's Brahman with Shakti. this is the complete whole. And we know we know from uh, the Shastra that there, there are leelas of Krishna beyond this world. But there are also leelas that take place in this material creation, too. And so in one sense, the whole of material creation is a leela, uh, sometimes referred to as Srishti leela, or the pastimes of creation. But, but there are other leelas that Krishna is more directly involved in also. He, he has specific purposes in this world, and so he descends in various ways to fulfill those purposes. Uh, He has unlimited avatars, actually, uh, for various reasons. And and the Goswamis analyze these different ways that Krishna comes to the world, these different types of avatars. Um, Actually, they're unlimited, but they're generally considered in six categories. Um, The Purusha avatar, Guna avatar, Leela avatars, Shakjavesha avatars. Manvantara avatars and yoga avatars. And we won't spend too much time on these different avatars today because that, that would make a good series in itself, maybe in the future. Um, and we have too many other topics to cover today. Um, but if, if you are interested in learning more about the different avatars, you can learn about them in books like um, Sri Lago Tamrita, uh, by Srila Rupa Goswami. Uh, there he discusses various avatars of the Lord, uh, and also it's there in Chaitanya Charitamrita too, uh, where Mahaprabhu he instructs Sanat Goswami in the Majalila. Um, so. But we, we know, though, that I guess the main point, uh, especially from the Srimad Bhagavatam, that Krishna is the um, avatari or the, the source of all these avatars. Uh, you know, the famous Krishna's two, Bhagavan Swayam. Uh, Krishna is the original supreme person who has no other cause. He's the fountainhead, the Godhead. So, Krishna comes here for his own reasons. And although it's generally when unrighteousness is on the rise, uh, it's important to note that his appearance isn't caused by that unrighteousness there's no mandate that he has to come and save the righteous um, but he does on one level out of his mercy and also sometimes for sport and, and different reasons but it's by his own inclination um, but we do see in in verse 4 8 krishna gives more detail as to the specific reasons he decides to come here and so he, he gives there three three reasons To protect the saintly or or those favorable to him, but more specifically, and this is something that we're going to discuss in more detail shortly, is um, to pacify the hearts of those who are suffering in separation from him. Um, And then he also gives two other reasons he comes to destroy those opposed to the saintly, uh, especially if they can't be subdued by anyone else. And then the third, he comes to establish dharma. And so I'll touch on the last two briefly uh, near the end, but I'd like to spend most of our discussion on this first reason for coming because, at least with the Gaudiya way of understanding this verse, is very connected to what we've discussed so far in terms of the internal energy or the Atma Maya bringing Krishna to this world, especially because she manifests in the hearts of the devotees who are similar in nature to Arjuna, for example. Krishna's primary reason for coming it's because of love for his devotees he, he comes specifically for them even though others will also be nourished by his coming here but for the type of devotees that Krishna comes for no one but him can help their their plight if you will you know their separation um, the, you know the, the, the advanced devotees on the path of bhakti they feel this intense separation. And it may be hard for us to fully appreciate, at least personally speaking, because although we, we, we get glimpses of feelings, of feeling separated uh, from the Lord at times, but it's easy for us to then become distracted by something else, right, and take our minds off him. Uh, so we may feel feel those moments at times and then <laughs> the boom, the mind's over here, the mind's over here. So um, we might not be able to fully appreciate, but maybe we have some, can grasp it a little at some on some level. Um, but in the high, these higher stages of bhakti, it's described, when one comes closer to bhav or one's attained bhav, uh, we're told they, that they feel more and more separation, and this separation in, uh, intensifies, and it intensifies the eagerness to be with the Lord, and in these higher stages, When one's lost the taste for the temporary things of the world, and they only have taste for Krishna, then they feel this deep separation that can actually uh, feel unbearable. And so Krishna comes for those devotees. Uh, This uh, the Atma Maya moves Krishna, and and of course, this Atma Maya, this Swarup Shakti, the place we find is in the hearts of the devotees, and to a very high degree in this type of devotee that Krishna is speaking about. And so, just as the the devotee themselves is feeling this intense separation and and can't bear the separation from Krishna, Krishna also can't bear the separation because he has so much attraction and affection for the devotee. It's a reciprocal relationship. They they love each other uh, to, to very intense degrees. It's not just the devotee loves Krishna, but Krishna really loves the devotee. Uh, I I like how our Guru Maharaj puts it. He mentioned in one class, um, saying that uh, Krishna comes from up to down to help those devotees who help the rest of us cross from down to up. So this person who has such deep longing for Krishna in their hearts. And so then a question, a natural question might come up hearing these kind of things, that if, if he's controlled by that love, like we've, we, we've mentioned, and this draws him to this world, then how does this fit with the understanding that he comes according to his own will, yada yada, uh, that I was mentioning earlier? So the answer, of course, is that he does come whenever and wherever he wants, according to his own will. But the more we learn about Krishna, the more we learn that his will is very much connected with the will of his devotees, that they're inseparable. So he's tied uh, to the love of his devotees. It's said their hearts are one. So because these devotees have taken full shelter of his divine nature, of his internal energy... There's no external influence that draws him here it's not that the mode of ignorance is overpowering the atmosphere for example and so that draws him here for example because of course you know if the mode of ignorance overpowers the atmosphere and more and more um irreligion takes place and so on uh you know does that force krishna but uh, no that's not the case that that's not uh doesn't have the power to draw him here although he takes care of that also but as we discussed earlier He's Brahman with Shakti, and so there's no meaning to Krishna without his Shakti. And so it's under this influence that he moves. So sometimes we hear this nice example how he dances under the influence of Sri Radha, the source of the Shakti. She makes him dance or makes him move. So when, when a devotee, has become so developed in their bhakti, they can't bear that separation. Their longing for Krishna is so intense. He, he also can't bear their separation. And so he brings his Leela to this world so that they can take birth in the Leela. And so they enter the pastimes themselves as well, which, as we know, is part of the progression on the path of bhakti, especially, particularly um, the path of ragmar. Um, So when Krishna says he's protecting his devotees, He's protecting them from the pain of their separation and those things that get in the way of their ability to express their love to the Lord. That love, again, love is what draws Krishna to this world, actually. These devotees don't need Dharma to be established in in, in the worldly sense of the term. They're they're beyond Dharma in that sense of the term. They they don't really need protection from anything of this world because they're not of this world themselves. All their material desires have been given up at this stage. you know, they, they use the vehicle they have, they use this body only for serving Krishna, they're beyond the material qualities, um, they're totally fixed in transcendence, so, so they don't need deliverance from the material nature, so to speak. So our, our school makes the point that the protection that Krishna speaks about here is to protect them from these intense feelings of separation that are burdening their hearts, Krishna knows everything about that devotee he, he knows they've made so many sacrifices for example uh, as they've walked along the path of bhakti they've had to deal with many difficulties both in their own environments but also within themselves as we we all have experienced I'm sure you know such as uprooting anarthas uh, which we all understand uh, you know how much of a challenge it can be uh, at least personally speaking some anarthas especially they can be quite a challenge to uproot and some may take some time um um, but still, despite all these obstacles and all of these reasons that one could use as an excuse just to stop moving forward in their bhakti, the devotees continued on the path, continued to walk the path of bhakti. And so Krishna knows these things. He appreciates this. They, they've come to such a place. They, they can't bear his absence anymore. And so Krishna also, he can't bear theirs. And just as the devotee uh, wants to satisfy Krishna in every way, Krishna really wants to satisfy his devotee. So this is how it's tied to his will. And so then he introduces them to his friends, the family, uh, you know, by bringing his lila to this world. And this is what the devotee has yearned for. On on our path in particular, the ragmarg, the the devotee has longed to taste similar moods to these devotees uh, that they felt attracted to follow, these devotees who come as part of the lila, who were involved in the lila, um, at at least in the higher stages of the ragmarg. And so Krishna satisfies that desire by introducing the devotee to these different personalities, uh, these personalities that Krishna himself feels most at home with. Uh, So he invites them to join the party, so to speak. Um, Srila Prabhupada, in his purport to this verse, he summarizes it very nicely by saying, um, Lord Sri Krishna descends for the specific purpose of mitigating the anxieties of the pure devotees who are very anxious to see him in his original Vrindavan pastimes. Therefore, the prime purpose of the Krishna avatar is to satisfy his unalloyed devotees. So, we can also see in these verses, uh, by the grace of the teachers of our school, that Krishna descends into this world by the power of his devotees. They they draw him here by their devotion, just as the knowledge of him is drawn out by the parampara, uh, like we discussed in the previous sessions. So before we wrap up today, I just want to briefly touch on the other two reasons that Krishna says that he descends to this world, uh, because they also help us understand uh, something of Krishna's nature. Um, our, Our acharyas, They point out that when Krishna comes to kill the unrighteous, they have to be a pretty big demon, actually, for Krishna to personally get involved. Because, you know, so so many others could do the dirty work, so to speak, on his behalf, if he desires it, you know, even could take place through the external energy, even. Because the external energy is, of course, under Krishna's control also, as we heard earlier. So, but especially when a demon becomes very big and they're causing suffering directly to devotees, Krishna personally comes to kill them. And we see this with Kamsa, Putana, Keshi. you know, there are many like this, examples like this in Krishna book, for example, um, or the 10th canto, the Bhagavatam. But interestingly, when he does, he kills their demonic tendencies, their, their lower nature, and so they actually attain liberation. Um, I'd have to confirm this, I, I, but I'm sure I heard it in a class, and it may, may even have been Guru Maharaj, but I, I, I can't remember exactly where I heard this, so it uh, definitely needs confirming uh, somewhere, but I, I heard um, that Srila jiva Goswami says this only happens with Krishna, actually, and not with other avatars even, um, but yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe someone here knows, but I, I believe um, it's in the Sandarbhas, if, if my memory serves me correctly. I've never actually studied the Sandarbhas completely, so um, if anyone on the comments or anything like this or at the end today um, has confirmation of that, but you know, it's still a, a nice, nice, sweet point. Um, but uh, you know, we're all likely familiar with this um, beautiful verse in the third canto uh, of the Bhagavatam. It's in the second chapter where Uddhava glorifies Krishna by saying, um, alas, how shall I take shelter of one more merciful than he who granted the position of mother to a she-demon, Putana, although she was unfaithful and she prepared deadly poison to be sucked from her breast. So when Krishna punishes the wicked, it actually has the goal of correcting their behavior and removing them from the world And it's not really a punishment, but actually an act of mercy, uh, such as his character, uh, because the final result is liberation. So it's interesting, again, it's an act of mercy, again, tying with atma maya, uh, meaning of atma maya being being mercy or compassion. So, of course, our goal in in our path uh, is pure love. So we don't want to aspire for that method, (laughs) but it is still a great result, uh, considering their actions. So we, we can understand something of Krishna's character by that. That um, Sometimes the examples given that, you know, an affectionate mother, they're not considered hard-hearted or harsh if they chastise their child when, when they're bringing them up, when they're training and caring for them. Because um, really that's what's going to be best for the person. And so Krishna is not cruel when he disciplines the jivas to, to bring out their good qualities and diminish their bad ones because it's for their proper development. So this is how he treats the inimical. Just think how much he reciprocates with those who are aspiring to love him, but to speak of those who, who love him in the full-blown sense of the term. So we, we should know that we're, we're in good hands, actually, if we're trying to take shelter of him, if we're pursuing that path of Sharanagati and beyond uh, to Prema. Um, so that the other reason in this verse uh, that Krishna gives to is um, to establish dharma, And this is generally seen uh, as his establishing the religion or or the spiritual practice of each age, the Yuga Dharma, I'm sure you're all familiar with. Um, You know, that act or act of sacrifice in particular, that will be most beneficial uh, for this age, for the moral quality or the psychology of the time, uh, is one one way to put it. So earlier, we, we discussed different avatars. And one one kind of avatar is the Yuga avatar, uh, the person who establishes this practice that is most suitable, the Dharma of the Yuga. Um, So although Krishna's primary reason is to come for those advanced devotees that we discussed earlier, he also comes for others uh, to call them to him, you could say, uh, to save them also from the suffering of this world of conditioned life. But even more than this, he gives them the opportunity To progressively become like those advanced devotees that we discussed earlier, who are generally the ones teaching the practices to those who aren't as far along the path as them. So they're sharing their shraddha, so ours can deepen, for example. And so naturally, before ending, we can't end today without pointing out that Krishna appeared personally in this age uh, for these purposes and more. And so that, of course, is in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He comes personally as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And interestingly, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, in the third chapter of the Adi Leela, where the external reasons for Mahaprabhu making his appearance are discussed. These two verses are found there also, this verse 4.7 and four eight. So that, that's a huge discussion in itself. Uh, but it is sweet to know that in his appearance as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, He reforms the miscreants, uh, which many of us likely feel we are, given our background and habits, uh, at least personally speaking, I I can attest to that, testify. (laughs) So uh, he reforms them, actually, uh, or reforms us, not by annihilating them like he does in other ages, but actually by blessing them with divine love, with his internal energy, the Swarup swarup Shakti, and through Nam Sankirtan. Uh, So the more we take advantage of that process, the closer we can come to being like those devotees who Krishna primarily comes for. So, I mean, lots lots could be said, more could be said on that, but I think I'll wrap up there. But if anyone has anything they'd like to share from today's session or has any corrections or questions, I see it's just uh, Sharada on the call actually today. So thank you. Oh, I see there's a question in the chat too. Um, She's saying she can only use chats. Haribo Sharada. So I have a question, but can only use chats. Do you think, or is it taught anywhere, that a collective consciousness is also possible to bring Krishna avatars to appear here or not? As he says in Bhagavad Gita chapter 4, that he appears at his will. It may be that Radha, having a compassionate nature, may have to bless this, and Lord Chaitanya may have to be meditated upon in our hearts. Or would he then appear in our hearts and not in a visible form? Uh, It's an interesting question. Um, so I guess the way, the way I would approach that question um, is in regards to collective consciousness, bringing Krishna here in these things. I mean, I guess you could say in one sense, yeah, if, if the um, strength of those um, devotees' bhakti was strong enough to pull uh, Krishna here, just like the strength of Advaita Acharya's um, bhakti is what brought uh, Mahaprabhu here, brought Krishna here. Um, when he was offering the uh, Ganga Jal and Talasi leaf, um, you know, you could say that uh, the strength of devotion, ju- just like we've been discussing today, is what, what draws uh, Krishna here. And they're also, you know, for different purposes, As I said, I didn't go deeply into. Um, the different avatars and kinds of avatars, but for different purposes and Krishna's purposes, different avatars come. And generally, they're given in given in shastra like that. But he, he also comes in other ways, like uh, in the hearts of empowered devotees and so on. So, so in, in regards to your question, um, at least to my understanding, um, you know, I guess the the first the, first thing I would say before going on to him appearing personally, in the world, in the way uh, that is, is often discussed. Uh, first, I would say that appearing in our hearts is the primary place that we want him to appear, actually, right? Like, that's that's what a major aspect of our practice is, especially in the earlier stages, cleansing the heart, to have a suitable place, so to speak, uh, for him to reside, even though he's residing there also, in, in, in one sense, Paramatma. Um but, you know also we, we want to bring him more and more make him very comfortable in in the home of the heart in the temple of the heart if you will so um, so I, I would say it's important to emphasize that, that that's the primary place actually that we want want to draw draw Krishna into uh, even in this world um, but but also and also that I come true you said about Radha having a compassionate nature having to bless this and I would say absolutely and that that that's that's what, what part of that uh, we were discussing there in terms of the sarup shakti is what brings Krishna into this this world. So, Aguru Maharaj sometimes said says I'm sure you've heard this many times, Sharada, that um, uh, uh, there's a little bit of Radha in every devotee's heart. Actually, you know, there's there's a little radha is in everyone's hearts uh, uh, in in some ways. So, um, and personally, you know, so 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 in in this sense, yeah, absolutely, I'd agree with you that um, Radha would would have to bless this. Um, and she does bless this and again this is this is what brings Krishna here and, and I guess it's important to, to emphasize that point too that there's there's no separation of Radha and Krishna in the ultimate sense too you know that when we speak about the complete whole it's Radha and Krishna together like I gave the example the moon and the moon shine. So they really come as one that the form of Krishna is revealed by by Radha. So I, I would I would say those things and then then in regards to maybe the way appearing in this world particular particularly, um, you know, so, so others can see him too. I mean, maybe, maybe not everyone would even recognize anyway, but I would say that certainly there, there are um, kind of things in Shastra, as you, as you know, that are kind of um, emphasized as the times he appears and these kind of things, scheduled incarnations, if you will, or scheduled avatars. Um, but, but anything is possible, Krishna, of course. Uh, um, it's not that it's impossible, but again it, the emphasis will be on uh the strength of one's one's bhakti so even if we wanted to kind of like bring krishna into the world in that way it would be really deepening our own bhakti to to be able to draw krishna in, in that kind of way but and and that's because the, the will of krishna is tied with the will of the devotee so because the devotee has just such longing to bring krishna in this will also uh make krishna's own will act by his own will because he he will want to go there he will want to uh, be in the world in that sense too so a bit of a long-winded way to answer apologies i was just thinking through it also as i was looking at your question um, But hopefully that's helpful but feel free to um add anything else if you, you prefer i'd expand on any in any area but that that would be my understanding
1: i think no problem Hari krishna Sharda. so
0: thank you for joining and um i guess we'll wrap up here then and we'll close out um and then yeah next week we'll we'll look more um in, into uh, some of the, the great aspects of knowledge of krishna so we'll look at some knowledge of krishna some things he brings out um and and the, the results uh that come from understanding these things exploring these things so they're quite beautiful actually so um yeah thank you very much
1: and lunch ko patalvis chak person do be avachar atitanam bhavane yo vaisnavi vibhunam hari krishna